diddle dum dum British Strongman Podcast, episode 20-something. I tell you what, Shane, I fucking love watching your face when every time I do, <laughs> every time I do that, you have a little chuckle to yourself. It's so funny. Right, so um, start this week with, um, well, talk, talk, about, talk about your training a little bit. You've done your, I see you're doing your, your small off. How's that going, mate? Yeah, so it's. I've just finished the fifth session, I think it is. So yeah, it's going. It's going well. Um, first two were pretty hard. I got doms from hell, and then uh, because of the way I ran it, I started on like a Thursday. I think I did like Thursday, Friday, then I took like the weekend off. So it was a little bit different to how it's supposed to be run. You're supposed to have like one day off, aren't you? But I just started. You know, I'm on like. This week, I've, I've just finished off the first week this week, and then I'm going into the second week again there tomorrow. Um, so the last day of squatting was really easy. 2.10 for 10 triples um, in sleeves and the safety bar. So it was piss. The programme's got me going up to like, you know, when you look at smaller, it always looks the same. Like you look at week four, you're like, how the fuck am I going to do that? Um, yeah especially after the first two sessions. But going into week two, I'm uh, pretty confident now. I felt stronger already. It seemed to come back really fast, um, so I'm happy. Uh, good man. And how's the wrist holding up? Have you had to go with the um, the wrist strap yet? The wrist hook? I have. Not... I've used them straps. Here. They're like a metal hook kind of go in your hand for people wondering. And um, I wasn't able to... Well, I think I could deadlift on them. I'm just a bit cautious because... My, there's part of me wound that doesn't feel fully healed. It feels like it could pop open. Most of it's healed and scarred now, but there's just one little bit that it just doesn't feel right. I'm just going to wait another week till I deadlift or something. But I did some cable work because I can't grip the bars to do cable pushdowns and rear delts or whatever. Just some, I wanted to do some upper body. I've not had any blood in my upper body for like five weeks. So this strap's really helped. I could just hook onto the attachment. So I did like um, I did 600 tricep pushdowns and 600 bicep curls, and then uh, 150 rear delts each side. Because I can only use lightweight, because it's still it's still a bit dodgy in my hand, so I can only use lightweight, so I have to do like a fucking million reps. But I woke up today, I did that yesterday, I woke up today, I feel like just destroyed. It's amazing. Like, I'm not, I'm not an upper body doms for so long, it just feels, it's a blessing, it's great. Brilliant. So we've decided that um, we're gonna put a bit of a resource um each week together that we can use for our coaching basically um and we're, we're just trying to cover that cover questions that we get a lot um so I, so i've i've started like being consistently doing my igtv um for like technical videos and stuff that's been going really well um because i i get a lot of questions about technique and it saves a lot of time being able to refer people to certain videos and stuff so um we're going to use the podcast as a as a bit of a uh, coaching resource. So I talked quite a bit last week about deadlifts and deadlift cycles and shit. So um, this week we're going to have Shane taking more of the lead. And the qu the question that we're going to cover mainly today, because Shane's had quite a lot of people asking him recently, and I've actually had uh, I, I had um, a guy a guy that I coach in the uh, in the last week, he messaged me the, the same kind of thing. Um, so it's going to be relevant for him. So we're going to talk about people um, who wanted to start to take gear, who were making that, making that, thinking of making that jump from uh, being natural, um, unassisted, or whatever you want to call it, and uh, they're wanting to make that kind of next level of commitment. Um, so Shane, what would you, what would you what would you say to me? Right, say to me, right, Shane. I want to step up. I want to <clears throat> push myself to that next level. I've got my nutrition on point. My my training's been on point for a couple of years. Um, I want to I want to go up to this go to this next level. What would you say to me? Advice. Well, first I'll say this doesn't apply to females that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to use you as an example, but I'll give like a general overview as well because I get asked this a lot. And I think it's a question in the back of a lot of people's minds as well that they just don't want to ask. 
which is one of the reasons why I'm open about, um, you know, PD usage in strength sports because people don't feel if you don't put it out there that you're comfortable with it, people there's a stigma behind it and people don't want to ask the question because they feel like oh, when I put my post up about smoking weed. I got so many messages, literally about a hundred messages of different people saying, Oh, I, I smoke it too for, you know, and there was people on there. I was thinking fucking hell as if they, you know, it's just crazy. It's just very common. And so is this question in the back of people's minds. So what I would say is with, with any drug, in my opinion, like there shouldn't be any stigma behind it. In my opinion, I think that it's just your decision, what you do with your body. Uh, as long as you're educated on the subject and you know that, you know, you know the positives and you know the, the negatives. And with regards to, is it the right time for somebody to take it? It doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't matter, to, unless you're like ridiculously young, like fucking 15. If you're like over 20, it doesn't really matter about your age. It doesn't really matter about um, how strong you are per se. Um, it's a decision that, anybody can really make and as long as they're educated on it if you make that decision then it's your choice it's your fucking body you know people can drive down the bypass at 200 miles an hour and risk their lives if they want if you want to risk some high cholesterol by taking something then you know so be it. it's your choice that's my my view on that side of stuff so i never say to someone are oh, you not strong enough or this or that are you too young as long as they're mentally mature enough i think it's fine with regards to training age and stuff i would say that I would at least get very, very, very good technique, first of all, because the one thing that taking a performance hands is not going to do is it's not going to give you any skill. It's just going to, you know, it's going to enhance the positions that you're utilizing now, which if they aren't very efficient, what you end up finding is people get stuck in a rut where three years down the line, they're really strong in these shit positions. And it's because they've just pushed that shit position with drugs and lots of training and never have to fix it because to get stronger, they just took more drugs or different drugs. So the, my only kind of rule of thumb is if your technique isn't good, then I wouldn't even consider a PED. I would just make sure that you've mastered the sports per se. Uh, but again, that to some people will mean you're strong. Others, you might not be that gifted at it, no offense. You might not be lifting the kind of numbers that you expect to lift with the execution you do. Uh, but it doesn't mean that that you're not strong enough to take PEDs. So the, the next question goes on to like, what do you take if you want to make the transition? And um, what have you heard, Josh? What have you, because I'm sure you've been around Strongman and stuff. Have you heard of a first cycle or anyone said anything like they started? But like people start with like test. Right. So that's like the most common answer is... Um, and if you like Google forums and stuff, it's always test is best and start test and this lot. And, you know, they are right to a degree, um, but you need to have an understanding of like the hormone and what it actually does. And from a strength athlete perspective, <clears throat> testosterone isn't the best thing in the world to take because it's like a jack of all trades drug. It does pretty much everything averagely. Whereas, there are certain drugs out there that are more specific and more tailored towards strength. Like any DHT based steroid is much better like Mastron, for example, although online, if you read it, it's a mild cutting drug. Uh, neurologically, it has much better adaptation. So, so, so by, by, by the way, so you, are you talking now in terms of advising a strength athlete and would that would that be slightly different to somebody training for aesthetics or would would they yeah exactly somewhere? because drugs do different things um yeah that's why i say to people you have to have an understanding of the drug before you even decide to take the, the decision because like you can't just read online what's best mate and some guy you never know say test and you go right i've, I've researched it now you know big muscle five on the fucking forum says test so i'm taking that you know, you need to actually understand the drug. Like, what are you putting in your body? What is it going to actually do to you? Um, and then you can make the decision. And that's why test isn't the best thing for strength athletes. Uh, you're better off going more DHT-based because that's what's going to give you more neurological uh, adaptation, so strength gains. Um, so, again, you don't have to go that route of 
of test is what I'm trying to say. So do your research and understand what you're doing. And my, the way I, if I was to go back in time and reintroduce myself to shit, I would start with Psalms personally, because steroids have been around for a very long time and Psalms are very new and things in medicine and in practice and in research, they just get better. And no matter what anybody says, because loads of people will slate Psalms, the reason being is purely just because they're legal and available on a supplement website. That's why they get slated because they assume, well, if they're legal and on this supplement website, they can't be as good as these, this other gear because I've got to get this off this gym, you know, behind the counter or whatever. But if you actually look into Psalms uh, and if you have like anyone who uses them, there's so much like anecdotal evidence out there that you can get just as good strength gains from a Psalm with much less chance of suppression and much less chance of bad blood levels uh, than you can with, you know, these, these injectables. And also you've got to weigh up the fact that they're legal and they're regulated. So you know what they say is in the tub is in the tub. Whereas testosterone is made by, you know, some guy in his bathtub. You don't know what's actually in it or if it's sterile. So there's also that thing to weigh up. So my advice would be personally to start and introduce yourself to Psalms and go in really slow. So the mildest Psalm to start with is like Osterine. And then they, they lump cardarene under Psalms as well, but it's actually a PPAR agonist, which is just like a different pathway. It does like a different thing. It's basically, the best way to think of it is like bottled cardio or bottled endurance. So you can imagine the benefits of that work capacity and, you know, being able to train more frequently. It has nutrient partitioning benefits. So you're able to, you know, utilize your carbohydrates and proteins and stuff better. So, and also it's a tablet form. So if you're, say you're wanting to start, Josh, it's a big jump to suddenly, you know, be going on a website or going into a needle exchange and getting some needles and being in your house with a vial of testosterone and injecting it and then having to plan out a big pulse cycle therapy and stuff. It's a, it's quite a big step in my opinion. Whereas a SAM is a tablet that you order off a supplement website and you, you know, you just take it orally. Pulse cycle therapies are very rarely needed. So it's a, it's a much milder introduction into this performance. So I suppose, I suppose you're getting the opportunity to dip your toe in the water and see like how you respond and see, see if you could see if you can be consistent with it and stuff. Yeah, that, exactly. that, that, that's what I imagine some people do though. They'll like go, go, go all out and all out for something. And then, um, and then <clears throat> I imagine people, people, people will crash like mentally and stuff from, you know, like say blasting something for four weeks or six weeks or whatever, and then seeing some crazy, seeing some good progress, and I don't know, like like you say, not really knowing what they're doing, and um, just kind of almost like driving a driving, get, getting in a fast car and just going wild with it, I suppose, and then yeah, exactly. And another thing is. Um people expect too much off either one, like whether it's Sam's or whether it's starting testosterone, the amount of messages I've got off people that are like, Oh, Shane, I'm, I'm, I'm three weeks into a, a test cycle and I can't feel it. Have I been sold shit gear? I'm like, well, what do you want to feel like? You know, it, it doesn't change your brain. It doesn't make you feel like, you know, I know that the, that's like the um, cartoon version of fucking steroids, isn't it? You inject someone and they turn into this big rage and you don't really feel any different. Like you, if you, if you think you feel different, it's just because you've convinced yourself you feel different. Yeah. You might be a little more horny, but that's different. You're not like walking around the shop and start fucking dry humping random people. <laughs> <laughs> fucking... I, I fucking do that anyway <laughs> but it's what I mean like it's more like it's more like you sat there with your missus and you're looking at her like I'm gonna fucking oh, tear your neck off but then it's uh, that's that's the kind of that's the only time where you feel a difference but I feel like that when I'm natural anyway I mean I do have Shannon walk around and little budgie smuggles all the time but still it's just fucking you know it just depends on your personality. I think it's more of a personality enhancer. So if naturally you're a horny little fucker, you're going to be a horny little fucker on gear. 
But if, you, if you're just pretty chilled, you're still going to be pretty chilled. It's not going to change you. So you don't need to feel anything. The only thing that's going to change is very slowly over time, uh, you might just look a little denser, a little bigger, a bit more vascular, and your linear progression may change from five kilo a week to 10 kilo a week. And then you hit one rep maxes at the end of the cycle. Again, you would have potentially hit one rep maxes at the end of the cycle anyway, but it just may be slightly increased. So there's not like, that's another thing that when you say dipping your toe in, that's why I like people to do it because they realize, for me, I didn't really feel any different off this rad at 140 or the Austrian or whatever they took. But, you know, I was smashing PBs out, you know, my elbows didn't hurt after six weeks of pressing four times a week and my knees felt great, you know, um, my knees always hurt and they felt great when I was on the, the Austrian. That's like a very common thing you hear, which is, which is true, but their, their differences in how you feel when you train, they're not like differences in mental feeling of just being sat there and you're like, oh, I'm on gear, I'm an animal. It's just not like that. And I think that's what some people, some people. Yeah. So, so, so in realistic, realistically, like the a response that, that you, you get from it isn't just a case of, I think a lot of people just, just think whatever gear you take, it's just going to enhance your force production and stuff without necessarily training. Whereas um, I suppose what you're, you're saying is that, um, you're pointing out if that say your rec- recovery is improved and like say your inflammations that like your tendonitis is uh, down or whatever and it allows you to train with that that a little bit more intent and all that a little bit more volume and stuff which is inter in turn gonna gonna get gonna give you that um gonna give you that that strength adaptation isn't it rather than it just being yeah. that you fucking inject some and you go going it like a 40 kilo bb or whatever yeah, this is the thing that uh, the, the argument people make against that is there was these studies done where they basically took fucking these guys that didn't train and they put them on a 12-week training block, natural, and they put um, the other group of people on a 12-week training block on gear and if the third group they put on a 12-week training block. Um, uh, sorry, they didn't train at all, sorry, but they put them on gear for 12 weeks. And the people who trained for 12 weeks on gear gained like... 10 pound of muscle say the people who train naturally for 12 weeks gained four pound of muscle and the people who just sat at home taking gear gained six pound of muscle so they gained more than the natural <laughs> but the problem with that study is it's on joe blogs off the streets who's just got newbie gains waiting to flourish and when an athlete takes them who's well trained and already has a decent base of hypertrophy it doesn't have that drastic effect without training, but people will say, Oh, but this study says this guy gained six pounds sat at home. I'm like, yeah, but he's just some skinny freak. You know what I mean? He's uh... yeah. So, so did, did, did that study have anything about uh, like force production or anything? Or was that just like, hypertrophic? No, it was just a purely hypertrophic study, but Cause it, that'd be interesting to see with uh, if, like the same study, but with uh, like force production. Um, yeah. Well, I imagine that they gain muscle, so they'll definitely be stronger. But then again, if they've not got any neurological adaptation at all and their skill set's low, they might they might still be shit, you know what I mean, because they've not trained. I imagine, in my head, I'd imagine and hope that the natural people who trained would be stronger than the people at home due to skill acquisition and actually training. But you never fucking know, do you? But going back to the thing of someone who first gets on, Yes, you are going to increase recovery and be able to train more, but it would be a lie to say that you're not going to gain any more muscle from it. You definitely will. I just don't think it will be as substantial as the um, kind of study portrays, so to speak. Because again, they're just they're just newbies, and unless genetically you've got that ability, because some people just can't. You know, I've, I've known people take loads of gear, don't look that big. Some people just don't have that um, ability to gain the, the muscle. So it is kind of a roll of the dice with gear as well. You might have five people take it. And this is from like client evidence that I've seen. And one person puts on loads of muscle and doesn't get that much stronger. 
and it's weird and you're like, that's, that's strange. Another person doesn't gain much muscle tissue, doesn't look much different, but gets massively stronger. And another's kind of in between. And that's why uh, a famous coach said that to be the world's strongest man, you have to be genetically gifted at um, strength training, genetically gifted at growing muscle, and also be really lucky with higher reactor gear. And if you get all three, you can be this like big freak that, you know, is bigger and stronger than most human beings could ever be, no matter what. Well, brilliant. So, what, what would you what would you say to me then if if I if I wanted to start like and and would it be different if um, like say for instance I had like a one year goal um, or a six, like say for instance I had a six month goal like say say for instance like say. Imagine that I qualify for OSG Worlds and it's on and it's November, right? Uh, like, how would it? How would the protocol differ or advice me peaking for that versus, like, say, qualifiers next year in April? Yeah. Or, or uh, compared to, like, say, Worlds ne- next November. Well, so the like difference really depends on like if you want to structure it to get like the most out of an athlete, then the drugs need to change dependent on the goal and dependent on the competition. So if a competition was like max deadlift, max log, it had a really heavy stone load and, you know, just that really maximal strength base, then your drug usage would be completely different to a comp that was like carrying sandbags and farmers yeah, walking okay. up for speed. So uh, yeah, it would definitely depend on the um, the competition. Basically, what you want gear to do is enhance the training and not conflict with it. Like a common one is Tren. People run Tren all the time. And they'll, uh, Tren is very, very commonly known for absolutely sapping your cardiovascular system. Like it just nails it. And it's really hard to override the fucking nail. Like no matter how much cardio you do, it just gets hard. Like you just can't breathe. Um, so would you be good running trend for a comp with farmers for distance, yoke speed, sandbag carries? No, but people do it because they think this is going to make me the strongest. And they forget about the actual aspect of the sport where now I need to be fit and strong. Ah, great. So, so somebody like say running a, um, like say a progression, like a progression pathway that we've, that we've talked about, say in April, they do like say North of England qualifier or whatever. And then they do like say England's in whatever start of summer, mid summer. And then they maybe want to do worlds at the end of the year. So assuming that the qualifier is going to be um, lighter for that, if they're doing worlds, like the, the qualifier is probably going to be lighter and more, more repetition based and a different energy system, than say worlds at the end of the year so um you, you understand what i mean yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah so so how how would you um how would you you lead up to that be different like like basically assuming that it's going to go from lighter more cardio based up to more maximal lifting to where, where where this person might be doing one to three reps on the max deadlift on the deadlift for reps at worlds yeah this is where there's a little issue with drug use in the strongman sport, in my opinion, because the season, if, you were, if you're a top athlete and the season is like April to December or whatever, or sometimes the qualifiers in March, it's like, you know, it can be like nine months of the year. Uh, if you qualify to every single competition and every single competition is getting slightly heavier and slightly more competitive, then if you take gear for the first comp of the year, you don't have enough time to come off the gear and then go back on for the next competition. So it sometimes ends up being this stretched out long nine month cycle. And the problem there is if you don't win one of the comps, so you auto qualify, you then have to make the decision in December of fuck, I've got qualifiers in March, you know, what am I going to, what am I going to do? And this is why for enhanced lifters winning England and getting an auto invite back is one of the biggest advantages you can get purely for the break off cycle, uh, because it keeps your health markers so much better. So my advice would be, if you can't qualify naturally, you don't deserve to qualify. And then you would take your first cycle for England's and then slowly ramp it 
uh, you know, throughout the year with rotating the compounds that you, you use, basically. So you would save your maximal strength cardiovascular sapping drugs for the heaviest comp of the year. Um, and again, I would also say, if you need the heavy drugs to qualify to Worlds, what are you going to do for Worlds? Like, you know, you have to, whatever, whatever baseline you set, you have to increase it uh, or stay the same. And if it's high, it's unhealthy to stay the same for like, you know, say you qualify in um, August and then you um, have to stay on till November, whatever world is. It's, you know, it's a long time to be taking these kind of drugs for. So it, the, basically the further you can get with the less drugs, the better, if that makes Brilliant. sense. So, um, a very relevant scenario at the minute, Shane. Um, somebody who's been peaking the drugs for uh, for the for a comp, like in the next, it could be like scheduled to be now, and then the the comp's been postponed for seven, eight weeks or whatever. What would you do to somebody who's been gone all in and peaking the gear for a big performance at a comp now? Because this is this is relevant to someone I coach, you see. Yeah, so basically, my, my personal advice would be, um, again, you, you're, you're a human being, you've got a brain, you know, if you're taking drugs, you probably know the cons of staying on that long, and you know the pros, make a decision, uh, an adult decision, do you want to continue on, is that competition really worth the negatives to you, if it is, then it's your choice, the, the healthy option is, this year is a bit of a fuck up. I'm staying on gear for a long time. How about I just start again next year? Let's come off, let's get healthy, let's reset everything and I'll, I'll do next year. That's what I keep telling my clients to do because I've said it since the start of lockdown. I don't think you should enter any comps because in my opinion, every single comp is going to keep getting postponed. Um, so yeah, um, that would be, again, it's just a decision. Like if, if you've got, if you've been on gear for six weeks peaking and then you're told, Oh, you've got to be, it's another seven weeks now. It's, it, it's a long stretch. And also your body adapts to anything you put in it. So after about eight to 10 weeks of a certain dosage and drug, you won't get any stronger from it. So if you stay on the same dosage, um, you're going to progress the same as a natural athlete, in my opinion, because your body just adapts to that dosage and the compounds that you're taking. So it depends on what drugs you were taking, but what I would do is, let's say they were taking test and trend or something for the comp, and then they got to the comp, they're told, no, it's another seven weeks. I would rotate the compounds round, so I would take the trend out, add in some DECA. If you weren't taking an oral, you can maybe add in a little oral four weeks out, like, depends on body weight, but like a Diana ball, if they don't mind gaining some weight uh, for some quick strength gains, or they could even add in like an Anabar or a Winstrol, a DHT-based uh, oral for four weeks up to it. That way they've rotated compounds, so they're going to get new gains from the, the new compound, but they've still been on a high dosage for a long time, so, you know, the risk versus reward thing is up to them. Brilliant. I think uh, compound rotations the best way to go throughout the year, by the way. So you start off with your milder drugs. Like if you say you walk through the qualifiers, do the qualifiers on just a low dose testosterone. You know, if you can't qualify on a low dose testosterone, you know, should you really be planning the trend for worlds? I, I don't think so personally. You know what I mean? And then when you get to England, you could increase your test dosage a little bit, adding some master on. And then by the time you get to Europe's, uh, you could rotate the master on for DECA and then you could add in a little oral four weeks out. And then depending how long between that and the world is, you might be able to cruise on low dose testosterone for six weeks, get your blood levels down a bit. And then six to eight weeks out from worlds, you add in your heavy drugs that you love, like test, trend, hailer, draw, whatever the fuck you want to take, um, you know, and then do it that way. Come off at the end of worlds or go to your cruise dosage, whatever the hell you like to do. That'll be like the sensible way to do it. But the problem at the moment is, like you say, people might have planned to do this stuff and then get told, oh, this one's another six weeks, which pushes push everything back. And then they just end up um, on for a year, which, um, yeah, it's not the healthiest thing in the world. Cool. 
So I know, I know, I know I've asked it, I've asked it before, but I'm, I'm sure loads of people will be thinking it, thinking it like who were nat- natural. Like what, ca- what kind of response could I, could I expect to get like realistically? Like as a, as an average, like assuming that I'm not going to be an absolute freak of it, but I'm not going to, I am going to get a response. Like what, what kind of, how would it affect my numbers? Like well, how, I use you as an example, should I? So if I were yeah. to say to you what to do for your first cycle, and I know all your numbers are the back of my hand, so I would say to start off with 20 milligram of Osterine a day, that's a SARM, which is great for recovery and the inflammation purposes. I know that you've got dodgy knees, you get a little bit of elbow tendinitis in this, it'll help that so much, but it doesn't, and it gives some recovery benefits, but it won't affect your hypertrophy or your strength too much uh, it would be mainly for the recovery benefits the car uh, cardarine would be the second thing i take at 15 to 20 milligrams per day and that's there because you've got a very 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 high cardiovascular output you're very conditioned and it'll help you get even more of that just because you're good at it doesn't mean that having more isn't better so it'll help you take less rest between sets it'll help you to recover better between workouts it'll help your body utilize nutrients better like its storage of glucose for example it'll help you eat more carbohydrates and then for the specific strength one i would take rad 140 at 20 milligrams every other day for the first two weeks and then every day after that for six weeks so you do eight weeks in total it's saturation times a little longer than people think. So if you do it every other day for the first two weeks, you get to utilize more of it when you actually take it every single day. That RAD 140 there is going to increase protein synthesis. It's going to increase your muscle mass. It's going to increase your strength. Um, it's going to get all your fibers firing properly. It will really bind to androgen receptors real well. So you'll probably find that your delts and traps will blow up a little bit, uh, which will give you increased, the most dramatic increase will probably be your strict press. That I know when we train strict press, it kind of feels like you're chipping away real slow, doesn't it? Like um, your, your jerk and stuff will progress 10 kilos and you strict press a couple of kilos. And it just doesn't feel like it's something that's efficient. But when you take something where the androgen receptors are allowed to work properly and just blow up and your traps and delts and triceps explode, your strict press could go up 15 to 20 kilos in maybe 30 kilos, depending on how you reacted, in about the six to eight weeks. That'll be the biggest increase. Same with bench press, that tends to blow up a little bit. Um, deadlift wise doesn't seem to be crazy affected for whatever reason but still in six to eight weeks on a normal training block if you expected a five kilo increase from your training block I would expect a 15 kilo increase and then with the squat or leg based exercises I would expect um, again a 20-ish kilo increase for you for you I'm talking about specifically not general kilos for everyone and on moving events and grip and stuff like that, I would expect near enough zero change because I do not think that, I mean, the, the only change could be indirect, like the sandbag might feel a little lighter, which might, you know, allow you to go a tiny bit faster, but we're talking milliseconds here, you know what I mean? Um, same with farmer's walk. I don't think it has much effect on grip. Um, from what I've seen of people, it just kind of goes up with maximal strength. So if you got if you keep getting stronger, your grip will keep getting better, but it's hard to measure that on a drug basis. I've never seen someone get on RAD 140 and be like, fuck me, I've added 20 kilos in my farmers. Like, that just doesn't happen, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's just sensible one of those things that you chip away at all the time. Same with bag throw. Like, you know, it's skill-based and it's so based on how you do it. You're not going to, get any change in it that's why i think drugs are uh, not that needed for strongman sometimes especially at lighter weight classes because 90 percent of the events that i'm talking about here you're going to get milliseconds on here and there and as a natural if you just focus on getting better um yeah you might not be able to strip press as much as the next guy but if you learn to split jerk it then you're going to outpoint them if you see what i mean um but yeah that's basically all i can say <laughs> And then what, what about, what about the next, so you t- talked about the first cycle, what about the, 
like say I said, oh yeah, I'm really happy with that Shane. Uh, I, w- I want to take the the next step up. The next step up. I want to get some more gains. Um, I've got a got a comp that I really want to. I, w- I want to do well, at, really well at England's, like or or the next comp or Brits or whatever. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm prepared to take that next step. Like, what what would be the kind of thing for say, assuming that we've done that that first cycle, six to eight weeks, like. And it's eight weeks after that. What could we move to there? I want to, I'm getting addicted so, to the gains. The first thing that I forgot to mention was before you get on, we get a bit of blood panel work done. We then do the cycle. It's always good and it always advised before you touch anything, get blood panel work done because you only get the opportunity once to see what your levels are before you touch any ped. You only get the opportunity once because as soon as you touch a ped, you don't know what you've done. So you get your blood panel work done first. You do your RAD 140, your card and your osterine. You wait a couple of weeks, two weeks after you finish, you get blood panel work done. And you see what is the difference between my two blood levels. If they're the same, you don't need to run a post-cycle therapy. You don't need to change anything. Oftentimes when you run RAD and osterine and cardarine, as long as you're young and healthy male, you will probably not need a post-cycle therapy. So you compare them. And let's say, worst case scenario, you needed a pulse psychotherapy. We do either a mild or a harsh pulse psychotherapy, depending on the shutdown of your testosterone levels. And we do that, we'd run that, and then we would get blood panel work done again. Right, we're back to normal now, Josh. Right, we're good to go. So now we know we're back to square one with how your body is. We can look at something more advanced if you want. Now, this is where you can either make the big decision or the um, kind of on and off decision which is the big decision is how you get the most gains long term and the smaller decision is you can work in blocks and cycles um, important to note that the stronger the cycle the longer the recovery time afterwards so if you choose to come on and off your off period can sometimes be twice as much as your on period so the kind of harsher option, the more extreme option is where you blast and cruise, which is where you basically take testosterone all year round and a blast being a higher dosage for, you know, gains, if you want to call it that. And the cruise dosage being you're replacing your natural testosterone by obviously injecting it. Um, So what I would say to do is either or, whichever your decision is, which one you want to go with. Um, I want to go with the, the longer term. So the longer term on the blast and cruise. So the blast and cruise, we would start you off on testosterone around about 500 milligrams. And we would run that probably on its own for four weeks or so and just see how you're feeling, how things are changing and whatnot. After four weeks, if everything's okay, you're feeling good, you're not getting any side effects, like you're not getting gyno or you're not getting um, acne or something, we would add in another compound that would be better suited for strength than, than testosterone. If you were getting gyno or puffy nips or something or you were getting acne, we'd lower it to 300 and we'd stay there and we'd see does that shit go away. What I'm trying to find there is what's a good blast dose for you on testosterone like what can you take without feeling like shit and without getting side effects so if we got it right first time 500 obviously this is where it comes into how you react to gear because the more gear you can handle the stronger you can get so that's why i say to you know some people take 200 milligram of tests and they get gyno and acne other people take two gram of testosterone and get absolutely nothing um, so that's again where it comes into this roll of the dice how are you going to react to it so let's say you were fine at 500 milligrams we would then look at adding in something that's, uh, you know, a decent first cycle for you. So I'm a big fan of DECA. It's brilliant for its protein synthesis. It's brilliant for increasing, I think it's synovial fluid increases, which makes basically the bros call it lube your joints. It's, you know, it makes your knees, your elbows, shoulders feel amazing. Uh, increases collagen production, stuff like that. It's great, great drug for athletes. So we'd run that about 300 milligrams as well. And again, we would run that until about 10 weeks uh, until I say that point where we're getting your body's adapting to dosages and stuff. And then the blast and cruise method here, what you would do if you weren't blast and cruising is you'd have to come off 
and do that recovery process I spoke about with the RAD, where you get your blood test done, you do your post-cycle therapy, you wait till you're recovered, and then you start again. If you're blasting cruising, this is the benefit here is you'd, you'd come off the decker and you'd lower the testosterone to like 150 mig a week. And now suddenly you're at that, you're not natural still, you're still enhanced. You still got like five times the testosterone level of your average natural, but you're cruising now. So for six weeks or so, you just do this 150 a week. And then, right, it's time again to, to blast again after six weeks. So you can see there that the time, the time when someone else is coming off and doing the post psychotherapy and recovering and stuff, you've, you've been five times the natural test level of them and you've done your recovery period at the same time. They're still probably funny and taking Nolvadex and these post-psychotherapy stuff while you're ready to go on to another blast. So that's why I say long-term over the course of two years, three years, you're able to just get so much more drug usage than them because they're busy coming on and off, whereas you're blasting and cruising. So then your next cycle, you would do a compound rotation. So we used the DECA last time, you would use a different drug. So we might increase your test back to 500, which is your blast dose. And then the master on, we might add in at 400 milligrams. We run that for 10 weeks. So you see that we're just kind of like rotating through different stuff. And when I'm saying these dosages, I'm, I'm using a kind of dosage in my brain of, uh, I probably should have mentioned this, uh, 10 times Josh's body weight in kilos. So 900, that is. So 900 total milligrams. Um, I went with 800 the first cycle I was on about, so 500 tests, 300 decker, and then we increased his total milligrams the second blast to 500 and 400, so 900 total, if that makes sense. So each time we're progressing linearly with the drugs as well as with the training. The reason being is the heavier you get, the more muscle mass you get, the more drugs you need to continually grow. And after that first cycle of testing Decker, Josh will be a big human, a bigger human than he was before. So he's going to need a little bit more milligrams. So we add a hundred milligram total dosage. And then you just rinse and repeat that method for however long you, you need to, four years, five years, whatever. You just drop back again, recover on your cruise, add in another drug, add in testosterone, make sure you're increasing the total milligram, taking it to around the 10 to 12 times body weight total milligram. So if Josh went up to 105 kilo at some point, Obviously, his dosage is going to be over a gram a week. And, yeah, you just basically roll it like that for however long you need to. Some people can last, um, you know, some people can have healthy blood levels on this stuff for, for five, six, seven years. You know what I mean? It's not like it's going to kill you overnight. Um, so you can do it for a very, very, very long time. Nice one. What What about um, if you were wanting to ma maintain weight to, for like a weight classes? And uh, you, you were finding, obviously, as you get more muscle mass, like harder to cut, cut the weight, your appetite's increasing and stuff like that. Like, yeah. What would you do? It's, um, it's one of them where it's kind of like... Make the decision to step up, basically. Yeah. It depends. Like, obviously, you're quite lean already, and you're like 92 kilo, but you're good at water cutting. So could you be this lean at 98 and water cut? you know, you're good at water cutting, you probably could. It's going to get harder every year, isn't it? You know what I mean? Even when you're on gear, though, the muscle mass isn't, it's not going to, you're not going to go click your fingers and you've got 12 kilo muscle on you. It's just going to come a lot quicker and it's not going to have a limit on it, really. You naturally kind of get this limit where it just becomes so micro gainy that you almost don't notice it. Whereas when you're on gear, there's not like a threshold, so to speak, on how much muscle you can gain. So you'll just creep up every six months, every comp might get harder to cut. You might be 500 grams heavier every couple of months. You know what I mean? It's not a instantaneous thing. If you do gain weight like that, it's just water weight. And then obviously that gets cut with the, when you drop the carbs and you start your water load, that'll go. So you kind of have to learn that a little bit. You might know, Oh, when I drop carbs, I drop five kilo. You know what I mean? Whereas when you were natural, you dropped two kilo or something, but you just kind of learn that as you go along. But yeah, the muscle mass um, thing, you've got to just remember the, the goal, which is for most people get stronger and you will naturally grow. And there will be a point in time where you just go, you know what, this cut, you know, I can't do it on same day weighing anymore. That's where I got to, where I'm like, I can't make same day weighing 90 anymore. I just can't do it. But I can make 24 hours still. Um, so then you make that decision. You can only enter 24 hour comps. You spend most of time 105s. And then eventually... 
you might get to the point where you're like, you know what, I just need to step up because I'm in such a calorie deficit all the time to stay this weight. I need to step up. And then you just have to make that decision. But if you take gear, it's not going to, you know, as long, unless, unless you're like 96, 97 lean when you start, you're not going to go from 90 at like 15% body fat. You're not going to suddenly be 100 kilo at 9% body fat from gear, if you know what I mean. Um, so it, it, it'll just creep up on you. Right, great. Um, what about the like the the psychological aspect? Say I do my say we do a couple of cycles and we've done done um, we've met we've met, made some decent gains and then I've got to the point where I'm like Shane, it just 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 isn't enough. I want more. I want more. And I'm at, and I'm at that point where I'm thinking in my head in my uneducated mind that. Right, I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm in it now. I'm gonna just fucking up the dose. Like, what? <clears throat> because because I'm I'm like ad- addicted to this kind of feeling feeling like a freak or whatever. Like, what what would you? How how would you? How do you handle that? Because I because I think to be to be honest, if I'm being completely honest, that that's one of the things that I'm that I'm I'm scared of. If like. If I make that make that kind of jump in the future, that's one of the things that I'm really skeptical about because like I'm the kind of person that's like I'm I um and are about stuff and I and I'm very analytical and break everything down. But once I commit to something, I'm fucking I'm all in with it. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't be just pissing about having a I'd be like, right, well I'm, I've made the commitment. I'm um like to to most people, to like to like my family and stuff like that, like and people outside of the sport, they just they just think everybody's the same. Oh, you either take gear or you don't. If you take gear, you're this, you're this, you're that. You, you know yeah. that kind of that kind of stigma. So I'd be st- I'd be stepping into that. And um, so you are step- you are right though. It's people. It's not an addictive drug. Okay, so the drug doesn't like, it's not like heroin where it is addictive, but you are 100,000% correct that people do get addicted to the drug because mainly from this, you know, when we talk about this blast and cruise, right? This is how people people get addicted. So what happens is over time, instead of rotating compounds all the time and staying with this dosage of, 10 to 12 times body weight. They, they don't rotate compounds. They go, I love Tren and I love Test. So they take the same two compounds all the time. And because they don't rotate and the dosage stays the same, like I say, you adapt to the drug. And, and also they grow. So they grow bigger and they need more of that drug to keep getting bigger. So what they do is instead of, coming off and cruising they 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 just go right i've stalled here so that 10 week time frame where i'm like you've adapted to this dosage it's time to cruise the reason why you cruise is so that you can blast again at the same dose and get them gains that makes sense Mm. but if you don't do the cruise what's the other option what's the other alternative it's take more because then you're instead of this line being here and your your body matches it and then you've got to let you, you know, bring your body back down again. That makes sense. And then you can go past it again with the same dosage. That's how I think about it in my brain. And that's how it kind of works. I know it's bro-y explained, but that's just basically how it works. But when your body adapts to the dosage, instead of lowering it to let your body come back down and then blasting again, they just increase it again and increase it again and increase it again. And that's how you get people on two to three grams a gear. It's not uncommon for me to get a strongman apply for coaching. And they go, I say, list what subs you on? What medication are you taking? And they write, I'm on a thousand test, 800 Decker, 600 mast, and this much trend. And I'm thinking, fucking Jesus Christ, they're on like three gram of total gear. And if you tell them to cruise on 200 test, that's a huge drop in gear. So obviously they lose strength and they lose mass. If you're sensible, that's why I say at the start, you should be mature about it and educated about it. And then you make a conscious decision. So 
like you're saying, you want to go all in, you want to take more drugs, you want to do this. You should know that the science behind it states that if, I, if my body adapts to a gram of gear and I take two grams of gear now, I'm only in a, you know, a thousand milligram a gram increase. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so even though you're taking two grams of drugs, your body's pre-adapted to half of that. So you're only in a thousand surplus, a gram surplus. Whereas you should know, I, I need to take it back a peg so that when I go back on my thousand milligrams of gear, I'm in a decent threshold, but I'm still only taking this much drug. And that's why I say you should be educated about it because then you can make that conscious decision and you can weigh up the pros and cons. Like I've got worlds coming up. Um, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to take all these drugs. I'm going to take 3000 milligrams and I'm going to be in this massive threshold for eight weeks. I know the risks. I know it's going to affect me, but I know that after worlds, I can have a really long time off to bring myself back round. And you see what I mean? It's just like a mature, educated decision rather than, I'm going to smash loads of gear and then I have no idea what I'm going to do afterwards. You just like your training, you lay out a plan and a structure and with gear, you've just got to weigh up health and recovery. So basically I'm sacrificing my health for this comp. I know I am. So after the comp, I need to really prioritize it. You know what I mean? I need to bring my dosage back down. My training needs to be, you know, I need to bring my body weight down. I know my strength's going to suffer a little bit, but I'm, weighing up the pros and cons of my choice that makes sense yeah so so you can you can kind of let the um like, like link it in with the whole kind of um like tra training like periodize it i suppose yeah like, exactly. Um, exactly yeah exactly. and uh, and and then i, I think that'll that'll be a way to um a great way of managing the psychological aspects and stuff about yeah yeah for, for example like say you're coming up coming off you see you see to be honest you see it quite quite a lot don't you where people do peak like for a big comp and the, there's so many so many variables don't get me wrong but they'll peak for a big comp and then like people people you see on social media or whatever and then suddenly you don't hear of them for months and then you see a post of them doing like some like they've gone completely off the rails and stopped fucking training and shit. And then, yeah. whereas if you, if you can kind of plan for this big comp and think, right, well, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to a cruising dose like after worlds or whatever, or I'm going to come off or whatever. Like what can you do in your training, in your training block before, before Mark, before like say the March qualifiers, you've got four months, like set your goals appropriately. Like, um, can you work can you focus more on skill acquisition some skill based stuff can you can you learn how to do some do some weightlifting could you learn to do some some of the events that that maybe um that, that maybe you, you need a little bit of work from the technical standpoint so you're going to get the going to get the gains you're going to get gains from there and feel that 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 feeling of achieving without without seeing the without relying on the force production gains if you will yeah. And what you said then, seeing, that's a good thing is don't come, like say you did that world, say it was you, let's use you as an example. Say you did that world cycle, you peak for worlds, you're on loads of fucking gear, and then you come off the, you go back to cruise dose, you're going to sort your health out and all this bullshit. You don't want to be coming in the gym and doing a 270 for five deadlift. You know what I mean? Because if yeah. that's hard or if, if in three weeks time that gets really difficult, you get negged out and you get pissed off. So what I like to do with people is variations. So what's your shittest variation of deadlift? Let's say your shit snatch grips. We're going to snatch yeah. grip deadlift for volume at this weight. You don't have a clue how strong it is. It's just hard from the start and we progress it. Like you're not, you don't like squatting, do you? So we might, you don't even, let's say you're not squatted for six months up to worlds. We put squatting a little bit, focus on that a little bit uh, with volume, focus on some, like you say, some skill strip, work. and Strip press maybe for me or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and some skill work, like sandbag carries, like something you can improve on whilst you're getting weaker, like 80 kilo sandbag for distance, for example. You know, you'd be shite at the first week. And even if you lost 10% maximal strength, you'll still improve weekly. So it's reinforcing your brain, you're progressing as an athlete. And then after you've finished your cruising, and you're ready to blast again, that's when you can start to structure your training in a manner that might start to see more heavyweights introduced. Yeah, like going to, going to like a strength block or something. 
Yeah, and that's why I always say to all my clients, I have to know what you're taking because if I put you on a certain training block while you're coming off or you're coming on or whatever and they're just conflicting, then it's just not going to work. And also your brain's going to get frazzled because you're going to be going in the gym and I'll have wrote these numbers down like lift 220 for five and you get one. And I'm like, well, why have you only got one? Oh, well, I came off gear six weeks ago. And I'm like, fucking hell, well, you know, you could have told me, <laughs> you know, it's like, a, in my opinion, it's a very important part of a pr programming is if someone's using drugs, you need to know when they're on, when they're off, when they're feeling normal, because there's a period of coming off where you're kind of like fluctuating a bit and you're a bit all over the shop, you know, uh, you don't want to be programming heavy lifts when they're fucking up and down all the time. And yeah, I just think that if you structure it well and you convince yourself of the progression plan, then it helps that addiction, so to speak. Because at the end of the day, we're addicted to the performance gains of it. Rather than being the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, so one little thing to finish on in terms of um, to support the health and be giving some responsible advice, what would you recommend? Is there anything you recommend for getting your bloods done? Like, or how regularly? What, how, how often would yeah, you do that? So if you're doing the on off job before you go on, after you come off and then after your post psychotherapy, the reason why I always say after you come off is because some people age genetics, person depending can recover from a cycle without a post psychotherapy. And in my opinion, for a man, the worst drugs to put in your body are post psychotherapy drugs because they're like female breast cancer drugs, basically. They ain't designed to be in you. No one even knows why they work for post psychotherapy. If somebody knows, tell me, but I'm pretty certain I've looked at it a lot. Nobody actually knows, but they do. So, um, yeah, they're not good to put in your body, in my opinion. Um, so, if you recover off the cycle naturally, and you don't check, you're doing this whole pulse cycle therapy, delaying it six weeks, putting all these drugs in your body for, for zero benefit because you've already recovered. So I always say to check afterwards. Uh, and then obviously if you're not recovered, that's when you do your pulse cycle therapy. And then you check again to make sure you're recovered. So you go to Medichecks or you go to Thrivia.co. They're the two most common UK websites that will post out blood tests to you. Cost you about 50 to 60 quid for your blood level test. You want to get your cholesterol, your liver, and your hormonal levels checked. Basically, they're your kind of three, three go-tos. Uh, in terms of blasting and cruising, um, I would always get your blood levels done before the blast and after the blast, basically, because you want to know, like, you, you know, your, if you know your cruise level dose, your cruise level kind of, blood levels then you can see what damage you've done basically on your blast and then your goal as a person should be i want to sort those blood levels prior to blasting again or else i'm just adding on top of them all the time um, other health things to do is um, one of the killers silent killers of people that stay on gear a lot is your hematocrit levels which is uh, basically like to do with your red blood cells um, gear increases red blood cell production. So it is a very healthy thing to get rid of a pint of blood every six to eight weeks. Now you can do this two ways. The first way, this is, by the way, I don't recommend anyone do this. This is just, this is just fact. No matter what anyone says, this is just fact. Okay. If you go and donate blood, they'll ask you if you've taken drugs. And if you know that you're sterile, you're safe, et cetera, you don't be fucking sharing needles, all this weird stuff, you can give blood. And because you've got more red blood cells in that blood you're giving to the NHS, it's actually healthier for the receiver to get it. Now, also, they will, obviously, they don't just take your word for it. They do test the blood. So if you did have some kind of, you know, infection or whatever, or, you know, whatever it is that they can't give to people, the blood will just get fucked off anyway. Uh, but obviously, if you go in and ask the ask for a form, they'll, they'll say, have you taken anabolic steroids? If you take, yes, you can't give blood. But that's just because they want the needle issue sorting, not because your blood's bad for somebody. It's actually better for someone to receive blood with lots of red blood cells in because that's kind of what they need. Um, so that's one way of doing it in the UK. 
The second way is obviously just to get someone you know, like a nurse or whatever, to take a pint of blood. It is definitely a good thing to do every six to eight weeks for your blast because that's the blood level where, you know, you hear them horror stories of X person went to sleep and they had a fucking heart attack uh, and died in the sleep. That's him out of crit. That's like the silent killer of gear users. The reason why it's silent is you won't know you've got it. You could have a hematocrit level 10 times the normal amount and you wouldn't know, you know, but one day you just die. So there's that. Other thing is Strom Sport sell a supplement called Support Max. Pretty much got every single thing in that you could possibly ever take that could help cholesterol, liver, etc. when you're on steroids. That's a little plug for Strom. Disclaimer though, it's some supplements, you know what I mean? If you're on a lot of gear, it's kind of like trying to piss on a fucking barn fire. It ain't going to do anything. But if you're kind of like mildly cycling, definitely worth taking. What else could I say on this thing? Oh, in general, just living a healthy lifestyle will keep your blood levels healthy. So going for a couple of walks, getting out of breath for like 60 to 90 minutes a week. So, you know, some kind of like steady, low, low intensity, steady state cardio for 90 minutes a week. And uh, also eating healthier fats instead of saturated fats and stuff for your cholesterol levels. You know, just general, in my opinion, common sense shit will keep you healthy. But sometimes in strength sports, the common sense shit gets missed and people just don't move, don't get out of breath and eat shit. Does that help? Yeah, brilliant, Shane. We'll, um, we'll call it a day there. So diddly-dum-dum.